This is the North Georgia Life Podcast. Embrace life where you live. Welcome to the North Georgia Life Podcast. It is Jake, your host. Today's episode is something that a lot of us are familiar with, we know of, we've we've heard of, maybe we've been to, but I'm telling you, and I'm in that category, Smithgall Woods State Park. A lot of us know that name. We've been there maybe once before, but I'm telling you, there are secrets that we talk about in this podcast that you are going to want the inside scoop on. I literally, I called my business partner when I was leaving this podcast and I was like, dude, we have got to plan an event up here, a spring retreat, a planning session, just a time, you know, long weekend with the spouse. There are so many things about this park that most people have absolutely no idea of. And we're going to share them with you on this podcast. You know how to find us online, North Georgia Life Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can always email us for ideas for future episodes at North Georgia Life Podcast at gmail.com. And if you have a friend, a family member, a coworker, a manager, a department head, where you guys are thinking about doing some sort of team building, small retreat, you need to pay attention to this episode because this has everything you're looking for and it's a hidden treasure. Part of it is a hidden secret and we almost missed it. It's at the end of the episode and you'll not want to miss it. With that, we'll get started. Welcome to the North Georgia Life Podcast. Today is an episode that I will admit to you when I was on my way up here, just I get refreshed and recharged every time I get up in the North Georgia mountains. We are here today at the Smith Woods State Park in uh, just on the outskirts of Helen, Georgia. And if you have not been up this direction, you are you're missing something. I, I just love coming up to this area of the uh, North Georgia region. And this park is a unique park for a number of reasons. And we're going to share some of those things because a lot of the a lot of us when we we're going out exploring, doing things. Sometimes we get kind of caught in touristy areas, and I know there is a touristy element to Helen, but this is a location that there are a ton of nature lovers, but not an excessive amount. There's no tour buses that are crowding the parking lot. You've got a lot of hikers, a lot of people that love to fish, and if you're one of those people that just like to explore new places, this is a really good location to check out. So today we are with Angel Kane, who is the naturalist here at the park. And Angel, thanks for taking your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So you are, fortunately, I feel like I'm getting older and older <laughs> too fast. Uh, you, are, you are really young mm-hmm. for your position. So I would love for you to tell us your, your backstory on how you got the outdoors ingrained in kind of what you wanted to do in life. And then you're, you know, effectively fresh out of school. So congratulations on, on landing a job at a state park like this. You grew up in Dahlonega, is that right? I did. So tell us about life in Dahlonega, how you, how you ended up kind of making your college decisions on what you wanted to do and pursue? Yeah, I grew up in Dahlonega, Georgia. Uh, I was born and raised there my whole life. Um, Growing up, I was really big into Mm 4-H, so that's something that I spent a lot of time doing. Uh, Going to Rock Eagle, going to Wasilla, seeing all the state. Um, I've pretty much seen all the state, and I have to agree with you, North Georgia is one of the prettiest parts Mm -hmm. of of Georgia, um, in my opinion. But I did 4-H my whole um, high school career, and once I graduated from high school, I made the decision to go down to Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College in Tifton, Georgia, and get my degree in natural resource management with a concentration on wildlife. 
from there, I got my four-year degree in wildlife management, pretty much, and I came home without a job. I saw that this position was open, and I thought that it was pretty much perfect for me. Um, I never expected to really work with people. I was more of the wildlife management, um, wildlife damage, you know. Yeah. Well, you got a degree in wildlife, not sociology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was I was more focused on the wildlife aspect, and so that was one of the issues I was concerned with when I actually took this job was, am I going to mesh with people well? Am I going to be able to take my knowledge of wildlife and bring it to people and and you know, make it in a way that they can understand it. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what I did. And so I've been here since September and I absolutely love the job. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I work with school groups and then my job here is pretty much promoting um, public programming for the park. So any kind of um, events we do on the weekends, you know, I'm responsible for planning and putting those together. And then again, like I said, working with the school groups and taking them out in the stream and, you know, flipping over rocks and looking mm -hmm. for macroinvertebrates and kind of, you know, teaching them what's around here. A lot of people just don't realize some of the awesome rare plants and animals we have around here. And so this is a great area to do it. I love being, I love being yeah. in North Georgia. Yeah, that makes me feel a little nostalgic because that was one of my favorite things growing up as a kid was just getting in a creek and just looking for, you know, salamanders and crawfish and all sorts of different things that were hiding under rocks it's a it's a great activity and this is a great location for for checking out some of those uh things in the in the wildlife so were you you kind of always had the outdoors in your in your blood growing up you were that was just kind of a natural fit for you yeah for sure um so I have a younger brother and me and him you know every chance we got we were outside uh, playing in the creek. Just any chance we had to be outside, we were. And so that was something that I always really enjoyed. I really like hiking. I really like being outdoors. And so that's why I went to school for natural resource management um, was so I could be outside. I'm doing what I love and not have to really worry about sitting in a desk mm -hmm. in an office all day because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there's no better place to be than outside. Like you said, I mean, it's there's just something about going outside that refreshes you, recharges yeah. you. And yeah, I get to see that every day. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so. I was gonna say it's a pretty special place to have a call an office. Yeah, exactly. Can you give us a just a short history on the park here itself, Smithgall Woods? Yeah, for so Smithgall Woods is a really interesting area. In 1819, um, this whole area was ruled by uh, Native Americans, mm -hmm. so Cherokee Indians were all over this area. Um, 1829 is when the first gold miners first started coming in. Mm -hmm. um, the first gold miners that got here, they, you know, they did pan mining with the actual pans in the, in the stream. Um, after they did pan mining for a little while, they realized that it wasn't the most effective way to find gold. Mm -hmm. um, so they introduced the practice of hydraulic mining mm -hmm. uh, at Smithgall Woods. Um, at the time, it wasn't known as Smithgall right. Woods. But um, so they introduced the practice of hydraulic mining. And hydraulic mining is essentially where you take a giant hose and you shoot water at the base of the mountain and cause all that sediment to wash off. Mm -hmm. And that sediment would wash into the, the boxes and they would sift it out and look for gold that way. It was just, it was a lot more time, time effective and worked a lot better um, than using a pan. And so they did the hydraulic mining for a few years until the state of Georgia actually stepped in and said, hey, this is a really destructive process. Um, <laughs> not, not the greatest thing for yeah, the environment. <laughs> exactly. This is a really destructive process. And so the state of Georgia actually banned the process. And once the process was actually banned at Smithgall Woods, the next phase of people came in, and that was the loggers. Um, and so we had people come in from Gainesville. At the time, they were actually building the railroad down in Gainesville. Uh, we had people come in and log 
this area extensively. Um, so most of the timber that you he- see here is second growth timber. But they chopped all the trees down and sent them to Gainesville to build the railroad. Mm. So after that, you know, the environment started to heal itself um, with the process of succession. And the plant started to regrow. And a man by the name of Charles Smithgall, he was a media mogul out of Gainesville. He made his money through the media. He actually started the Gainesville Times. He started a radio station as well. I'm not familiar with the name, but media was where he made his money. And so Charles Smithgall, he started to buy these small parcels of land across across Helen with the end goal to be to connect all these small parcels together into one giant conservation area. Hmm. And so over a few years, he actually collected or started buying up pieces of property. And over the years, he actually bought about 6,000 acres worth of property. Um, In 1994, when he was about to pass, he made an agreement with the state of Georgia that was to say, once I go, I want to give my 6,000 acres to the state if you promise to take care of it as a conservation area. And so the state of Georgia accepted the gift, of course, and they've been managing it as a conservation area ever since. So Smithgall Woods is a little different than a lot of your state parks. Um, we are a conservation park, so that means our main goal here is actually protecting those plants and animals mm-hmm. um, on site. A lot of your other state parks are like recreation parks, so their main focus is really like kayaking, canoeing, zip lining, getting people in. Right. Our focus, like I said, is just conservation and protecting what we do have here and making sure that no extreme processes can change the landscape like they did mm-hmm. um, once before. As you go through the park, you can actually see a lot of evidence from the gold miners. Um, Hmm. You can see, you know, old mine shafts, old mining tunnels where they actually did the hydraulic mining and things Mm -hmm. like that. So uh, you can see a glimpse into the past all over this place. Do you have outdoor groups? Years ago when I worked up this direction, I was involved in the, I think it was the Gold Rush chapter of Trout Unlimited and the TU. We would go and do projects on streams, you know, stream restoration projects and stuff like that. Does any of that occur around here? Do you have that going on a constant basis or what's, what's that like for doing some of those things just to keep the, uh, keep it as natural as possible, but you know, there is a natural erosion that happens. So to try to slow some of that or, or whatever. Yeah. So briefly, I'll just talk about Duke's Creek and then lead into that. Um, so Duke's Creek is actually one of the top 100 trophy trout streams in the United States of America. And so we have people come from all over to actually fish in Duke's Creek. Yeah, or a couple guys out in the parking lot this morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But with the fishing, um, because it is a conservation area, we have to make sure everything's regulated. And mm-hmm. so we do allow the public to come out and fish. Our fishing days, they actually start on October 1st, and I think they run through May. Um, but any Wednesday, Saturday, or Sunday that you'd like to fish, you can just call our visitor center, and they'll tell you what dates we have open because we can only allow 15 people on the stream at a time right. throughout the park. So those 15 people will sign up, go hit the stream, fish all day, and then come back. Mm-hmm. But Duke's Creek being a trophy trout stream, we do want to make sure we protect it. And so we do a lot of work with Trout Unlimited throughout the year just to kind of make sure that we're not fishing when the water's too warm and we're not overfishing and Mm -hmm. that so that's one of the things we do 
in the actual stream when we let people fish. Um, we go by what we call the ABCs of fishing. Um, and so that's A stands for artificial lure. You have to use an artificial lure. Um, B stands for barbless hooks. Mm-hmm. And C is catch and release. Mm-hmm. And so every time you fish here, you have to follow the ABCs of fishing. And that as well working. And that in combination with working with trout and limited and things like that it, it keeps our trout you know at a good healthy size keeps mm-hmm. the stream healthy and we we keep we keep checks on the water water levels and monitor all that to make sure the fish are happy is any of that stocked or is it all just they've been here forever and it's natural so yeah we do stock it um mm-hmm. i believe i'm not sure how often or when that okay. actually occurs but a lot of them have been here i know that a few years ago we, we actually had a blowout a major flooding event in the summer and that actually caused some of the fish to kind of wash downstream right. a little bit but we also do supplemental feeding a lot of people don't know about that mm-hmm. um, but we'll go out two times a week and actually feed the fish um and so if you know where they're feeding the fish at, of course, <laughs> you know where that big one's laying down yeah, there in the hole. So right. the fish, I mean, they, they kind of stay in the same areas too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they move around, but yeah. if you have luck in a spot, you're more yeah. than likely to come I was back. I say the uh, avid angler's ears just perked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any favorite part of what you do uh, here? This is a unique industry, if you will. This is a unique job. Your, your visitor center, as we were talking about uh, before we got started, you've got a variety one of the things that i really love about places like this is you see real you know the real wildlife that is around us a lot of times when you you know might go to zoos or larger parks like that you'll see things that are neat but they're not indigenous and native to your area uh whereas here you 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 know get a real live look at some you know a, a black bear all kinds of wildlife birds of prey all sorts of neat things. Oh, and you got a beaver over there. Look at that. It's a fat beaver. Um, <laughs> so you could probably read through all of the information here that's in your visitor center as far as the indigenous wildlife in, in 15, 20 minutes. So it's not an overwhelming uh, process and amount of information. Uh, and again, really, really neat. In that capacity, is there any is there any part of this that's just been the coolest part for you? So I'll actually tell you about one of the best things that happened to me at Smith Gull. So I'd heard, you know, we have whitetail deer, we have bear, we have turkey here. The two more common would be, you know, your black bear mm-hmm. and turkey. And everybody had told me that we see bears all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So one day I actually went out and I was hiking the Wetland Loop Trail, which is not a very long trail. It's about, it's like half a mile and it's a loop trail, not far from the visitor center at all. It's a really easy walk that most people like to like to do because it actually circles an old beaver pond. And Mm -hmm. so you can see like the stages of succession and you can see where the beaver lodge was and all that. So it's really, it's a really neat trail, but Anyway, I'd started walking it, me being the dendrology person. I actually, I found a tree, and I didn't know what the tree was. So I actually squatted down on the ground, and I was flipping through a book trying to figure out, you know, what this tree was. And all of a sudden, I heard something like 20, 30 feet in front of me, like rustling on the trail. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, all right, that's way too big to be a person. That's (laughs) way too clumsy to be a deer. I was like, what's going on, you know? And so about that time, I looked up, and sure enough, an adult black bear just popped out in front of the trail, just wow. 20 feet in front of me, wow. and stood there. And of course, here I go to reach in my pocket to grab my phone and take a picture, and 
of course he took off but yeah. that was one of the coolest one of the neatest experience I've I've ever had mm-hmm. and it was here at Smithgall it was just it was amazing to see that large of an animal in its natural habitat mm-hmm. didn't care about me didn't right. care a thing in the world about me and a lot of the time you know people are terrified of black bears and mm-hmm. what I tell them is you know black bears they're not aggressive that's not in their nature now a grizzly bear on the other hand mm-hmm. Different story. Yeah, you might get got by a grizzly, <laughs> but black bears, they're they are not aggressive. And so everybody's like, were you scared? Were you scared? Um, no, I wasn't scared. It was just more shocking, yeah, you know, startling. that you, yeah. yeah, you just didn't see it coming. And so that was one of the coolest things. And I tell people that, you know, just keep your eyes open and, mm-hmm. and, and keep on the lookout. Because if you come here, you'll see at least a deer a turkey or some something mm-hmm. um and so that's what i really enjoy it's i've worked at the zoos and i've seen that kind of that, that side of things and i know that they serve their purpose but here you know everything's natural it's mm-hmm. in its natural environment it's the way that it should be and mm-hmm. so i like when people actually get to see what's actually going on in their backyards and they had no idea so mm-hmm. that's um, as far as just the the uniqueness, the the history, the maybe local cultural piece of of this park, um, anything particular that is you think is the the biggest positive or the busy, biggest asset that this place has or is? Honestly, I just think that the whole idea of Smith Gall actually donating it to the state was pretty incredible, mm-hmm. um, because you know, like I said, we're a little over six thousand acres here, and so. Um, there's a small chunk when you first come in the, on the property. So since we are a conservation park, the way that it works, when you get here, you actually have to park in the parking lot and then walk throughout the rest of the park. Mm-hmm. We don't allow any through traffic. And so any of the trails that you want to get to, you actually have to park your car, get out, walk to the trailhead, walk the trail, and then walk back to the visitor center. Mm-hmm. And so we have a couple of close trails, you know, closer to the visitor center. That way it's accessible. But then you have to think those trails, like toward the, the back of the park, you know, you got to walk two and a half, three miles to yeah. get back there. Then you do your mile trail and then walk the three miles back. So mm-hmm. you're looking at a six, seven mile hike by the time you're done that day. Right. And so for a lot of people, that's no big deal. But one of the things I do like doing here at the park is we offer guided hikes on the second Saturday of every month. And what I'll do is I'll drive our 14-passenger van back to the trailhead, mm-hmm. get everybody on the van, um, get out on the trail, walk the trail, get back in the van, and drive back to the visitor center. And that way you don't have to worry about walking from the visitor center and back, and you just get to enjoy the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like I really like taking people back there because a lot of the time it's people that can't really walk back there mm-hmm. on their own, and so they're getting to see a whole another side of the park that you know they wouldn't have gotten to see mm-hmm. another way. So I mean that's what I really like about mm-hmm. it is it's kind of secluded, and once you do get back there on some of those trails, I mean you get down there to the waterfall and you can just sit there and yeah. admire the beauty around you all day. A lot of people don't know we're here, you mm-hmm. know, and it's it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing that we're so secluded, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, the people that we do get coming here, you know, they they love it. And I didn't it. know you had the guided hikes, so that's that's great because mm-hmm. a lot of times I think there's a no pun intended, but kind of a lost in the woods mentality of people who are thinking about would like to explore new areas that 
they don't know where to start. You just show up and you hope somebody's got a map and right. can point you in the right direction or you just follow the other people that got there, you know, three minutes before you. So to have that as an option, as a, as a guided hike, uh, is that, is that on a online calendar or how do, how do people get? I actually keep everything updated on our Facebook page, okay. the Smith Gall Woods State Park Facebook um, that's got all of our current events and what we've got upcoming for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find it on the state parks page, um, but Facebook's most up-to-date, most okay. accurate thing. Um, but yeah, with the guided hikes, I'll post the sign up online. You just call the visitor center and say that you, you know, you want to come. Um, and then we'll go out and do it the day of. But the thing about the guided hike too, is not only am I showing you where to go, where you don't get lost, um, but we actually talk about some of the native plants mm-hmm. and some of, you know, the native stuff around us, what this tree is good for, what this plant was used for. And so a mm-hmm. lot of people actually like to know that too, because, you know, you see all this stuff around you and you never have an idea that, hey, you can rub that on an ant bite and it takes the swelling down. So. Yeah. Um, I like the guided hikes for that reason too, just teaching people yeah, that's simple awesome. little tricks to get to survive in the woods mm-hmm. if they do get lost. That's really neat. I've never heard of anybody uh, having that as a as an option. So we were talking about before we started uh, just some of the school trips. Can you share share with us a story from the school trip that that you were sharing with me earlier? Yeah, as we were talking, the events that I actually put on for the public. One weekend, I actually did a scavenger hunt. And the way the scavenger hunt worked is you came to the visitor center and picked up a sheet. And the sheet had about 20 things listed, and it was things like moss or a rock or water. And basically what the kids had to do was go out and take pictures of all the things on the list and then come back to the visitor center and show us to get a prize. Well, one of the things I actually put on the list was bring back a piece of trash um, to the visitor center. And so when the kids got back and they were bringing their, you know, scavenger hunts back, I was like, well, did you guys find everything? Did you have trouble finding anything at all? And one of the kids, like several of the kids were like, the only thing we couldn't find was a piece of trash. And, you Mm. know, I started laughing and I was (laughs) like, that's a great thing. You know, that's that's really good. You couldn't find trash. And so um, I will say we do have a really clean park. You know, our maintenance people, they do a really good job keeping everything looking good, too. But not not just our maintenance. It's the people that visit. You know, they respect it and they take care of it. And so Mm -hmm. I really like interacting with folks that come by and. And, you know, hearing their stories, where they're from. And a lot of the time, this is just a spot on the map. So they, you know, they go to all these state parks mm-hmm. and they, you know, they see all this. And a lot of the time people have a really positive review of Smith Gall because it's not like a lot of the right. parks that they've been to. You know, we have, we're, we're, we're different. And so I think that's kind of what draws people in as mm-hmm. well and keeps them coming back. Yeah, yeah. And there's it's, always something, you know, on 6,000 acres, there's always something to see. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's I haven't even seen half of this place. And so, <laughs> Do you have any favorite spots in the park? Dukes Creek Falls is not actually within the park. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to get to Dukes Creek Falls, it's right across from us. Um, basically, you just drive up Richard Russell Scenic Highway. I think it's Richard Russell. Um, drive up Richard Russell, and right there about a mile on the left is a little parking lot. Um, you pay your $5, and you can walk down to Dukes Creek Falls. Mm. Um, Dukes Creek Falls is beautiful. I mean, it's only about a mile um, to walk back down in there, mm-hmm. but those falls are something else. Um, mm. They're absolutely incredible. And that's, like I said, it's not in our park. I guess the best place in 
in the actual Smithgall Conservation Area, my favorite trail is actually the Kathy Ellis uh, or the Chunani Falls Trail. Um, that's one of the ones that I was telling you about. It's kind of further back in the park. Mm-hmm. It's actually the furthest back in the park. Um, I think it's a little over two and a half, three miles to get back there to it. Um, but it's it's about a half a mile walk down there, and it's shaded by rhododendron. Mm. I mean, you've got it's it's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. and it's one of our more hairy, untouched trails. Mm-hmm. Like all of our trails are well maintained and they're well kept. But you know, our Laurel Ridge Trail, which is right here at the visitor center, it sees a lot more people just because it's so convenient to walk on, mm-hmm. and so there is you know it's more beaten up, more easily to see the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, Chunani Falls. It's, it's kind of you got to dodge more obstacles mm-hmm. and things to get so I really like that trail mm-hmm. um personally and then like I said wetland loop trail that's where I saw the black bear so I have respect for yes. that trail as well yeah. and Laurel Ridge trail that's actually a great trail too like I said that's the one right near our visitor center it's a little over mile and a half but once you get to the top it's got a beautiful outlook of Mount Yona mm. um and so you can sit up there on our bench that we just installed and mm-hmm. just take in Take yeah. in nature. Yeah, I was. I got a couple different views of Mount Yona because I came a different way this morning. And man, it's. I mean, you just talk about such a beautiful area of the country, you know, and certainly the state. You've got all these, you know, old barns, and you've got mountains in the backdrop. It just looks like something out of a painting. So if you're, uh, if you've not been up here it's okay to get lost. <laughs> it's, you, you'll have beautiful scenery while you're uh, finding your way back. One of the things I like to do with every episode as a question that has nothing to do about anything, which I call the lightning round, you might have to put it on your thinking cap because this one is might be a little difficult, but I'll, I'll help you out with this. Titled Top Tom. So in your opinion, what are the top three Tom Hanks movies? Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. <laughs> That's my number one too, 100%. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, what's the one? The Green Mile? Uh, yes. Isn't that? Yes. Yeah, that's the Oh, my gosh. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. That's such a good movie. Yeah. And, oh, man. Uh, I don't even know a third one. Or, um, mm. oh. I forgot about The Green Mile. Gosh. It was Apollo 13. And then, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but Sleepless in Seattle was such a good movie. Yeah. Gosh, Green Mile. That is such a good movie, too. Mm-hmm. Man. I was all, and, and then I was like, maybe Castaway. You got me, I, I totally forgot about the Green Mile. I got to watch that now. So you mentioned the Facebook page. How do people find out more about what's going on at the park, upcoming events, the guided hikes, if they're an avid angler, maybe they just moved here from another part of the country. They can't wait to get out in local trout streams. How do they get connected with what's going on in the park, availability, and those sorts of things? Yeah, so like I said, Facebook is our main way of most up-to-date, most accurate, information um we post on that pretty much every day but not only facebook you can find it on our state parks page you can just go to the, the all the state parks and then look up smithgall woods um we'll have a list of events and a list of um numbers like if you wanted to call the visitor center and talk to them about making a reservation of fish or maybe if you want to stay in one of our cottages oh that was the other thing i meant to so you have places on site that people can rent yes to stay yeah oh, let's let's make sure we don't forget about that yeah we need to talk about that yeah thank you for mentioning that because i totally i saw that on the website and i'm like i yeah, had no I idea that was an option so tell us about what you have as far as cabin overnight stays how, how do people get connected with that yeah so smith we actually offer six cottages smith we have 
the entrance that you come in off Highway 75 alternate, mm-hmm. and then you park in the parking lot and go through the park. Right across from where you come in at, there's another road, and that'll actually take you to the cottages. Okay. Um, the only way you can go down there, though, is actually if you're actually staying in a cottage. Mm-hmm. But these cottages, they are super nice. Like I said, there's six different ones. They range in different prices, but they have different amounts of bedrooms and bathrooms, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them, you're going to have your own private bedroom, bathroom, things like that. But you can call the visitor center for more information on that. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, once people see them back there, once you go back there and you see them, it's going to blow your mind because you, you wouldn't think that something, you know, those, they were even over there mm-hmm. and, you know, they're beautiful. They're really well done. And we have a lot of weddings and things like that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, they'll come and they'll rent all the cottages out mm-hmm. and then it makes it a little cheaper that way because, you know, if you have a big family, you can split. It's just kind of like a hotel. So yeah. you get your own room and bathroom, you get your own room and bathroom and we'll split, split the cost. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people like doing that. The good thing about our cottages is we kind of try to keep them full um, because that's how we make our money here at the park. We don't really rely on the taxpayer dollar. Um, Mm -hmm. We basically rely on funding from those cottages. Mm -hmm. So we kind of try to keep them full year round. So a lot of the time, if you do want to stay, you have to book it a few months in Mm -hmm. advance. And sometimes we offer really good deals on weekends that, you know, it wasn't booked or Mm -hmm. somebody canceled. And so that's posted on the Facebook too. Just keep an eye on that. And along with the cottages, we actually have two primitive campsites here at the park. Hmm. Um, the public can't come and use them, but if you have like a school group or a youth group, church group, something mm-hmm. like that, um, we can actually rent those primitive, not rent them. I right. mean, you can, but we can actually let groups use those campsites and, and things like that. So that's actually on the park side and then, you know, on the other where the cottages are and the good thing about the cottages too is a lot of fly fishermen are actually attracted to staying there because um if you think about it when you fish here when you're just somebody from the public coming to fish only 15 people can be on this side of the stream Mm -hmm. and you have it starts at 7 30 and ends at 4 30 the thing with the cottages though is if you pay to rent a cottage stay in a cottage you can fish from the time you get here until the time you leave Mm -hmm. And only cottage guests have access to that section of the stream. So Highway 75 alternate basically splits the park from the cottage side. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything from Highway 75 back through the cottage side is exclusive to cottage guests only. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to think. It's literally fish in a barrel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're pretty much going to be down there fishing wherever wow. you want to fish for as long as you want to fish. That's awesome. And so a lot of people are attracted to it just for that. And you mentioned weddings. Do mm-hmm. you have, are the weddings here? Yes. Somebody wants to have an outdoor wedding. Uh, they've looked at some other venues that are uh, maybe more traditional, if that's the right, in the right word, mm-hmm. um, you know, mountain wedding areas. You've got the ability to have that hosted here at the park. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and we just need to contact the visitor center to coordinate that, I guess. Yep. So the number for the visitor center is 706-878-3087. And your Facebook page is just Smithgall Woods State Park. State Park. Okay. Uh huh. And then along with that too, um, we actually have a newsletter that we post every month. Okay. Um, so there's actually a link on our Facebook page um, that you can go in and type your email in and your name, and it'll add you to our mailing list. Mm-hmm. And every month we actually send out a newsletter of events for the upcoming month. And so you'll get 
you know, what's coming up at Smith Gall Woods the next month. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in any of the events, you can just call, sign up, and come out. Good deal. Well, I, I know you're busy, and I want to get outdoors, and I'm sure <laughs> you do too. Yeah. So, Angel, thank you so much for your time this morning. I, I personally have loved this and, and hope that those who are listening that have not been up here, we've given you so many different things from the guided hikes to the cottage stays to the the uh, short list on the fly fishing to any of the above that you'll come up and explore. Uh, it's a beautiful part of the North Georgia region, and we may see you around here, and we may see black bear. <laughs> So with that, we'll uh, wrap up. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Have a good one. This is the North Georgia Life Podcast. Embrace life where you live.